Welcome to the Ion Ryan Show, a satellite orbiting the worlds of tech, toys, pro wrestling, and pop culture. Here is your host, Ion Ryan. Hola amigos and welcome to episode, oh I've lost count, <laughs> welcome to this episode of the Ion Ryan Show as a member of the Wee Pod Squad. Uh, guys, I've been enjoying doing this so much and two weeks ago with my good friend Damien talking about San Diego Comic Con, all of our predictions, uh, some of them came true, some of them didn't. I'm going to talk a little bit later, uh, I'm going to talk on the show about that. Uh, a little bit later, right? We're going to tackle that. So four weeks ago, uh, last episode or the episode before the Damien one, uh, we had talked about this new thing, right? We were going to do a three count where I was going to talk about three different topics that I kind of just randomly pick, some things that really catch my eye. And uh, I think this week we're actually going to do like a super cut of that. Uh, in the fact that I don't have one thing that I want to talk about for an hour, okay? I just want to kind of talk about a few different things. Uh, if you download the podcast, you already see it uh, in the title, and you already see it in the description. Um, so uh, first up, first thing I want to talk about, something I'm so intrigued by but also a little bit skeptical of, and that is an IGN article that was originally posted on July the 20th, and it was updated on July the 25th. Um, and we're barreling towards August here, so it's something from the past couple of weeks, right? And it is uh, kind of the rumor, the speculation, the hearsay that Kevin Smith went to the studio where Star Wars Episode Nine was being filmed. And uh, when he got there, he was talking to one of the crew members, and one of the crew members said, yo, you have to come see this, this one thing. It is going to, and I quote, melt your mind. So Kevin Smith said, very interesting. I would like to see that. And apparently he had an opportunity, as I guess cool, famous directors are, are you know, they're all buddies, I guess, right? Uh, he was able to talk to J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams says, uh-uh. Uh-uh, you are not allowed to see uh, what he's talking about, the thing that they say is going to melt your mind because it is actually the last shot in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which, as we know, it is the last shot of the Skywalker saga, right? That's what we kind of call these nine films that we've been living and dying with for, uh, what, 42 years now, okay? It is the last shot in the film. So I guess that means that it's a set piece, right? It's not like the actors were standing there in perpetuity. Okay. It was a, uh, it's a set piece and that has me a little bit intrigued. It has me mm, a little bit worried. Uh, the, let me get the worry part out of the way is that when a rumor comes out that the final shot of the film is going to melt your mind, uh, that is a lot to live up to. That is a lot of hype to live up to. Now, with that said, this is the final Star Wars, at least the final Star Wars that is announced. So it better melt our minds, right? I mean, the only thing I can think of in terms of mind melting, not as an ending, is if it somehow now opens the door 
to Star Wars 10, which I may have talked about this on one of my podcasts. This may actually be going back to my old solo podcast uh, that I did on my website. Uh, Star Wars X, Star Wars 10. I can already see the logo. You know, they can set it 10 years after Star Wars, at least this Star Wars. And they could tell a story that ties in, you know, Rebels and maybe brings in a new element that's introduced in the Clone Wars when the cartoon comes back. And uh, I do think we will see a Star Wars 10 in my lifetime. Ironically, I think I'd rather see Star Wars 10, boom, 10, Star Wars X, instead of Star Wars 10, 11, and 12. You know, I think I would love like a standalone, this is it. It's all built to this moment, somehow, some way, something requires all the characters that survive the Skywalker saga to get back together. That That's the only thing I can kind of think that would melt my mind is if the way that Star Wars 9, Rise of Skywalker, ends, that it, it either has to be an image that perfectly, perfectly closes the chapter on 42 years of maybe the most successful film franchise of all time. That's not Marvel, but that's skewed too. Cause like Marvel had way more movies. Um, but can they have one shot that brings a satisfactory conclusion to nine saga films? I'm not sure. Can they have a shot that, gets people excited for the future of Star Wars. Yeah, I think they can do that. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Lost, right? If you know me or if you follow my Instagram at Ion Ryan, I O N R Y A N, you know that the last tattoo I got was actually the polar bear from Lost, right? When Hurley gives Walt the comic book, it's in Spanish, it's a Green Lantern comic. I actually bought the comic book to display in my house because I'm that big of a fan of Lost. Now, what Lost has done, and it's really something that the Marvel movies have borrowed, and now where the Marvel movies has succeeded and Lost didn't, was Lost was great at saying, Okay, here's an entire episode. Here's an entire episode. Oh, my goodness gracious. What is that? And something happens at the end. Now, they struggled to live up to the hype. Lost did. Marvel stuck the landing. But it's easy to get people excited with like a little teaser. So is that what the end of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is? Is that the mind melting thing that there's going to be a set piece where we go back to Tatooine and it reveals something about Obi-Wan? Is it, are we going to see the wreckage of a long forgotten relic? I I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Now, here's my concern. Ah, Lord, strike me down for this. Kevin Smith is awesome. He's awesome. I love him, right? I mean, what an amazing guy. He, He is an inspiration to all creatives, okay? I mean, what he did with Clerks and then how he nailed mall rats and he created, you know, he was one of the first guys to create like a cinematic universe, right? Was he the first guy with the, with the view askew, if you will, universe with, uh, how clerks and mall rats and dogma and chasing Amy and Jay and silent Bob strike back, how they all tied together. Okay. Kevin Smith is an inspiration, but 
I feel like Kevin Smith has done this before. I feel like that whether it was with Justice League or something along those lines, he hypes something and it doesn't live up to the hype. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know. I'm just happy the guy's alive. I love him. But I worry about this whole expectations are already kind of at a fever pitch for Rise of Skywalker, right? The people that hated Last Jedi, this is Rise of Skywalker is a chance to get them back. The people that still love Star Wars, this is this is our goodbye. This is our farewell. This is the end of the story. So to put it out there that the last shot of the movie is going to melt our minds, ooh, that is quite the expectation to have to uh, to meet. I, I don't know if it's going to be able to. I hope it is, uh, but we'll find out. We'll find out this December. So Star Wars Return of, excuse me, Rise of Skywalker, not Return of Skywalker. Um, I can't, by the way, I want to do a podcast with Sean to really kind of talk about uh, what he's expecting out of Rise of Skywalker, you know, have a real good conversation. Um, I loved the trailer. I really did. I mean, Daisy Ridley jumping over that X-Wing, uh, TIE fighter. Whew. It's like one of the coolest things I've seen. Uh, because, you know, I'm a Star Wars toy collector. And I think at some point when I was a kid, I had a TIE fighter flying real low and Luke Skywalker jumping over it. And we haven't really seen that type of athletic, acrobatic stuff really since like the prequels, I guess. Uh, am I right on that? You know, we had that beautiful fight between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and uh, Darth Maul. And there was some other nice choreography throughout the prequels. But of course, that that one really sticks out to me. Um, because the first lightsaber fight that I ever saw when I was a kid was was Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan in A New Hope. And that wasn't much. And then, you know, Empire Strikes Back. That's a pretty decent, that's a pretty decent fight between Luke and Darth Vader. Um, but yeah, when I saw, when I saw the Phantom Menace one, I was like, whoa. It was actually at that point that my excitement for Star Wars became intrinsically linked with Jedi you know, that Star Wars was just all about the Jedi for me. But, uh, yeah, we'll see about Rise of Skywalker, okay? I mean, that that's, I think, uh, December 20th, 2019. Uh, chances are we're going to see an extended trailer for that at some point during Monday Night Football this season. Uh, and then we'll have tickets go on sale um, for that. Again, maybe actually during Monday Night Football. That's That's how they did it last time or maybe the time before that. Um, in addition to that, and this actually gives way a little bit to the San Diego Comic-Con stuff, um, the Hasbro panel for Star Wars at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, I'm going to say it, it was a letdown for me. Uh, but why it was a letdown was because uh, for the third, mm, is it the third time? It's actually technically the fourth time, I think, because they did it for Rogue One, I want to say. Uh, but they're doing like Force Friday. Okay, this is like the third Force Friday. And usually that means there's a midnight release for Star Wars toys. And um, I think last time I had said that like Entertainment Weekly might get the exclusive to show off those toys. Usually about a week before Force Friday. Uh, this time around, um, I was wrong on that, by the way. Of course I was wrong. Um, it's usually, I think, USA Today that gets it. 
So whatever it is, we're going to see those toys in a magazine later. Um, we're not going to, we did not see them at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, but what was interesting when they talked about Triple Force Friday, as it's being called, uh, which this year's going to be held on October the 4th, is they actually put up logos for three movies, uh, three Star Wars properties, excuse me. Uh, there is Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, there's The Mandalorian, which is coming to Disney Plus sometime later this year, early next year. Um, and there is the new EA game uh, called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Apparently on Triple Force Friday, we're going to get figures from all of those franchises, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, the only other things we really saw at the San Diego Comic-Con panel, and I say only, but this is actually exciting, is uh, we're finally getting a Boba Fett helmet, which is really cool. Uh, that's a Black Series Boba Fett helmet. Usually those retail for anywhere from 100 to $120. I think this one's $120. And uh, unlike previous masks and helmets, I do believe this one will sell out. So I highly recommend if you have a chance, you uh, pre-order it. Because I do think it will sell out. I don't think it will be one of those things that eventually hits the $50 bin at Walmart. Uh, in addition to that, I'm trying to think if Hasbro showed off anything else at the Star Wars panel at San Diego Comic-Con of importance. Uh, the only Black Series stuff, and that's what I collect, was they announced the winner of the fan vote, which turned out to be like Dagobah Luke, I believe. Um or was it Bespin Luke? Whatever the case is, it was a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, we have a lot of Luke figures. I don't want another one, but I don't know. That's what the fans apparently voted for. Uh, they also showed off some uh, three and three quarter inch figures. Uh, in particular, uh, they showed three guys who you would typically see on Jabba's uh, sal barge. Uh, but actually, I think it's the skiff. Excuse me. So the sal barge is. The katana, I think it's called. That's like the jumbo thing that Dar uh, that Jabba the Hut is on with uh, what they call Slave Leia in her little skimpy outfit, right? And we all know how that ends for Jabba. Uh, and then the skiff is where they're going to throw Luke and Han into the Sarlacc pit. That's the smaller version. So they announced that smaller version to go with the massive HasLab Katana, which came out uh, earlier this year. Uh, so you'll be able to have the skiff next to it, and you'll be able to have some more creatures from Jabba's, uh, Jabba's consortium of... Um, is that the right word? Consortium? Somebody Google that. <laughs> of creatures that are usually in his palace. Uh, aside from that, nothing else is jumping out at me from San Diego Comic-Con as it relates to Star Wars. But that's okay. They showed uh, a list of cons, and this is actually exciting for me. I, I usually only look forward to San Diego Comic-Con. Now I have a list of like eight comic conventions to be excited about, and of course we'll preview those on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that that's about it for Star Wars. Uh, so when we come back, well, I am taking a break. You guys are going to hear me again in like one single second. Uh, we're going to take a look at movies that are coming out uh, in the remainder of 2019. As I said, I am now an AMC 
A-lister. So I get to see three movies a week for like 20 or 25 bucks a month. And that's a good deal for me. All righty. So we're going to take a look at the release schedule. I'm going to tell you what I'm excited about. And uh, I'm probably going to miss a few things. That's when you guys have the opportunity to reach out to me on social media at Ion Ryan and say, dude, you're sleeping on this movie, right? Shoot me a DM. Let me know about some stuff. I've had a chance to talk to some listeners and I've really enjoyed that. So uh, yeah, let's take a look at the 2019 box office and what is to come. So starting this Friday, August 2nd, the Fast and the Furious franchise continues with Hobbs and Shaw. Now, usually I would write this off except for the fact that Fast and the Furious has been nothing but a box office juggernaut. I don't think any of those movies have failed domestically, and they certainly haven't failed internationally. Now, when you're looking at the cast of this movie, you're looking at Dwayne The Rock Johnson, joined by Jason Statham, and uh, the bad guy, as he's appropriately called in the trailer, the black Superman, Idris Elba. Now, I don't know if this is a movie for me necessarily. I do think it would be awesome to see it in the theater, right? I mean, with all those explosions and the car chases and... Uh, all that stuff. But I think for me, this is a uh, HBO, Blu-ray kind of movie. But like I said, I like all three of those guys a lot. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba. So uh, if I have a chance to make it to the movies this weekend or next week, Fast and Furious might be on the list. There's some other stuff I have to catch up on. Um The following Friday, August the 9th, we're looking at The Art of Racing in the Rain, which if you have or have not, I don't know if you've seen the preview, but geez louise, uh, it's about a dog. I believe it's by the same guy that wrote Marley and Me. I believe it is going to rip our hearts out, probably with a very sad ending, but I think there's going to be some cute cuteness and some uh, nice lessons and some adorableness along the way uh, before we get to what is surely going to be a tragic ending because it looks like the film spans many a year. Uh, I believe the co-star alongside the dog is uh, actually Peter from Heroes, uh, or I believe most of you probably know him as Jack from This Is Us, and uh, he's a fantastic actor. Uh, Also coming out Friday, August the 9th, is, get this, (laughs) it is... Uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Yes, you heard that right. That is a live-action version of Dora the Explorer. Now, Dora was after... I'm 32, so like Dora was after my time, but I do have nieces and nephews that were into Dora, and the one thing that I loved from this trailer was when she speaks into the camera, and her family's like, what? <laughs> and then they seem to do a little bit of a time jump, and they put Dora probably 14, maybe 15, 16 years old. Seems like she's like in high school. Uh, I think that's good. I think that's a good idea to make her a little bit more grown up. And I think that just gives them a little bit more leeway that, you know, if she's jumping over an alligator pit or something of the nature, uh, you can believe that a 16 year old can do that more than you can. What was Dora like an eight year old? Um, Also coming out that week, his scary stories to tell in the dark. Now, again, as I said, I'm 32 years old, and I remember my folks used to have a camper. Uh, And this is 
before the days. Remember, Game Boy back in the day wasn't backlit. So, like, unless you had a light, you couldn't play your Game Boy. So, when you went camping, uh, there was no smartphone. There was no, a lot of times there was no radio. There were certainly no video games. Now, I can bring my Nintendo Switch to a desert island and probably play Mario Odyssey for eight or nine hours before the battery dies, right? But, uh, what we used to do when we went camping is we would actually read from these books and we'd have flashlights and we'd shine them on the book or shine them on the uh, on our faces. And that book series was scary stories to tell in the dark. If you're not familiar with it, uh, excuse me, look it up uh, and look at the covers. And the covers were always like really like disgusting. So... I mean, I guess it's a quote-unquote adaptation. I don't know if they took any stories from the book. I don't know if I remember any stories from the book. What I do remember is that I found it to be uh, absolutely horrifying when we did read those. Uh, and I believe, if, if, I, if I remember this correctly, that um, Guillermo del Toro is involved in this. I think he's... Uh, I think he's a producer, all right? The director is actually... A, uh, a Norwegian guy. Uh, but yeah, Guillermo del Toro is, I believe, a producer, and he may have co-written it. So as we know, that guy does great horror. Uh, the following week is Angry Birds 2, no comment. Uh, the week after that is 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. We're at August 16th at this point. Um, I don't know anything about 47 Meters Down. Uh, the fact that it has Uncaged after it leads me to believe that this is actually a sequel. Uh, I like shark movies. I like monster movies. Uh, Crawl, which is about an, uh, an alligator, that has actually gotten great reviews. That's still holding up somewhere in the mid-80s on Rotten Tomatoes. I do intend on seeing Crawl next week. Not sure if I'll see 47 meters down. If you've seen the first one and you highly recommend it, please reach out to me and let me know. Uh, also coming out Friday, August the 16th, and you got to watch the trailer for this one if you haven't. Uh, this is one of those movies that can sometimes uh, pass you by. You can miss out on it. But it's called Blinded by the Light. And it is about a young man. Uh, I believe he's Indian. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think he's Indian. And he becomes obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. All right. Now, what a great year for music movies. I, I know Bohemian Rhapsody was last year. But, you know, a lot of people are just seeing that now, now that it's on HBO. We had Rocket Man and Yesterday, which was, you know, the Beatles-inspired movie I thought was fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, this Blinded by the Light looks so good. Uh, it's about, you know, a young Indian guy, and uh, he falls in love with Bruce Springsteen. He starts to emulate his style, and as the trailer reveals, he decides to make a pilgrimage of sorts to Asbury Park, New Jersey, the home of the boss. <laughs> so we'll probably get some sort of stone pony appearance in there. No word, at least that I know of, that Bruce Springsteen is in it. Or even aware of it, but the movie really seems to have some serious heart. Uh, also coming out August the 16th is Good Boys, which, looking at the poster here, uh, I believe that it is the profanity-filled film uh, written, maybe directed by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's heavily involved in it. And uh, there's just a funny clip where he basically sits the kids down and says, like, this movie is so vulgar, you guys aren't even allowed to see it, despite the fact that you were in it. Uh, and without guessing too much, 
I often think that about certain movies that kids are in that are wildly inappropriate. I'm like, do they even get to see this movie? <laughs> uh, but so Good Boys is August the 16th. That's a comedy. I think that's going to be a good one. Uh, now, here's a movie that's got me really interested. It's a Wednesday release, August the 21st, Wednesday. Uh, it's called Ready or Not. And if you've seen the trailer for it, it's basically about a couple uh, that's about to get married and it turns into some sort of sick game. And uh, it's a horror movie. And I'll tell you, I, I had alluded to this on the last podcast when I said, is the age of the superhero dying and are we getting back into a horror renaissance? And um, I really think Ready or Not looks really good. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, right? There's a lot of horrible uh, movies. And just because it is, uh, just because it's it looks artsy and has a good cast, doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's going to be that's going to be good. But based on the trailer, if you haven't seen it, I I am interested in Ready or Not. Uh, I believe it's probably a period piece. Um, based on the attire of everyone, doesn't look. I don't know. Sometimes those rich families, I feel like that they. Uh, maybe it's not a period piece. You know what? Here's what I like about horror films and movies in general. And I just finished Stranger Things. A lot of horror has been ruined by cell phones. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like, one second, can't you just call someone or Google this or whatever? So I do like when a horror movie is set at a period different than 2019, right? And that way it's not just like, oh, I have no reception. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, so Ready or Not looks pretty cool. Um, Angel Has Fallen is coming out on Friday, August the 23rd. And I cannot believe that they have made as many of these movies as they have, right? This is the sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. And um, was the other one called London? London Has Fallen, right? And Gerard Butler's in it. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic actor. But I can't believe this movie became a trilogy, uh, so Morgan Freeman is in it as the president. Uh, Piper Piraboo is in it. If you remember her, I believe that's the girl from Coyote Ugly, which for some reason I've seen and know really well. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Nick Nolte. Um, I mean, if you've seen the first two, you might as well complete the trifecta. And in my case, I have not. So I'm probably not going to see that one. Uh, there's also a movie coming out called The Overcomer. Uh, which just based based on the poster, I haven't seen a trailer for it yet, uh, but based on the poster for it, uh, it looks like some sort of inspirational film. So if you're into that kind of thing, uh, another one that's getting a limited release that week is called Britney Runs a Marathon. Now, I wouldn't mention this uh, except for the fact that I have been contracted to do promotions for it. So, uh, yeah, it's about it's actually what we're doing is really cool. Uh, Britney Runs a Marathon. Um, is really about someone that's that's trying to achieve something and they're going to learn something along the way. I, I don't want to talk too much more about it because, like I said, I've been contracted to promote that as a part of my job, which is really cool. And like I said, we're doing something very positive uh, with that where we're, we're having uh, best friends come and watch the movie together and it's just going to be a big old love fest. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Friday, August the... Uh, 
Friday, August the 30th, we have Don't Let Go, uh, which a quick glance at Don't Let Go. I'm sorry. I really thought I was going to know all of these movies. Um, yeah, this is a Bloomhouse movie, which it's, it's an indie thriller. It premiered at Sundance earlier this year and it has a cool concept. Basically, um, after a man's family dies and what appears to be a murder, he gets a phone call from one of the dead, his niece. He's not sure if she's a ghost or if he's going mad, uh, but as it turns out, he's not. He could reach her by phone two weeks in the past, and he tries to solve the murder before it really happens. So I do like movies like that. Uh, that sounds like a good one, and that's actually the only major movie that's releasing on August the 30th, which means the studios kind of believe in it, it appears. So the week after that's the big one, which is It Chapter 2. Um, I don't know if, you know, I don't know about you guys, but It, for me growing up, was like a really big deal. And I actually enjoyed the story about the adults more than I enjoyed the story about the kids when I was when I was a kid watching the original the original miniseries. So I'm looking really forward to it chapter two. So that is uh, September the 6th. Um, now, looking at some of the movies coming out in September, the next big one that jumps off uh, that jumps out at me is September the 20th is I believe it's pronounced Ad Astra. And that is a movie about Brad Pitt as an astronaut. And that's about all you need to get me through the door. Uh, I really am a big Brad Pitt fan and anything involving space I'm into. Uh, based on the trailer for that film, it appears as though Brad Pitt's father or family has some ties to the space program. And uh, despite what he seems to believe the truth is, uh, that might not be the truth. Now, is his father alive or was his father a traitor or... I don't know. And I don't even want to guess. All I know is I'm in, <laughs> you know, like I said, anything that involves Brad Pitt in space, I'm in. Uh, the other two movies that come out on September the 20th is uh, Downton Abbey, which I've actually never watched that show, uh, but it's gotten great reviews over the years. And I think it's awesome when they take a TV show like that and turn it into a movie. I really do. Um, I wish more TV shows got movies. Uh, I would love a Parks and Rec movie. I would love an Office movie. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I would enjoy those things. Uh, and then rounding out that September 20th, which is really, really a big month, it appears, uh, is Rambo Last Blood. Now, I'm not a Rambo guy. I never have been. But a lot of my friends are amped on on this, right? And it's perfect. Rambo, first blood, Rambo, last blood. <laughs> so I guess this is his final journey. Uh, and I like when we get an opportunity to say goodbye to a character. And, and assuming this ends in such a way that they can't make another one, I hope Sylvester Stallone really knocks it out of the park. Because he, uh, you know, I, I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> He's Rocky, man. So uh, the following week, kids animated film called Abominable, which uh, is about the abominable snowman. And again, it looks wildly creative and adorable. I'm a huge fan of animated films and Pixar. I'm not going to say Pixar hasn't been doing a good job because uh, they have. Uh, but DreamWorks in a lot of ways has kind of started to catch up to them. You know, I actually really enjoy DreamWorks animation. Uh yeah, I mean, they're not as perfect as, let's say, Toy Story is or Wally. -E. Um, but if you have kids, like, this is a good movie to take them to. If you have nieces and nephews, it's usually a good movie to take them to. 
Now, the only, I guess the only problem with this cute little Yeti of Abominable Snowman is uh, it does feel a little bit similar to what Smallfoot that came out and maybe a little bit too similar to Missing Link, which was like a stop stop motion film earlier this year, which was, or last year, which was really good. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of rounds out the, uh, that kind of rounds out September. Now, uh, heading into October, we've got, and, and now I'm honestly just going to talk about the really, really big ones that I know about. Uh, we have Joker. Now with Joker, you have Joaquin Phoenix, who his perf- walk the line is one of my top five favorite movies ever, believe it or not. I, I don't know what it is. It just, I understand that it's a biography of Johnny Cash and that's not somebody that I'm like obsessed with or anything, but I also think it's an awesome peek into American music, American rock and roll, the formation of it, you know, before, because you realize that like rock and roll and country kind of have the same roots, right? And it just deviated eventually. So the fact that in Walk the Line, you had a chance to see and hear about Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and, uh, San, you know, Sun Studios. I loved that. So anything Joaquin Phoenix does, I usually support. Anything that's comic book related, I usually support. And Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. I mean, maybe some of that. It's almost no brainer casting. Like, yeah, that works. He's great. Joker's important. Let's do it. Now, I did have a problem with the tone of the trailer. Like, I didn't like that whole, like, I thought my life was a tragedy, but it turns out it's a comedy. That's a little too heavy-handed for me. Something like that, though, it sounds like trailer now, you know, trailer narration. Something that's not actually going to be in the final cut of the film. And if it does, it's going to be done with a different cadence. Uh, The original Dark Knight trailer... Uh, did something similar. Like you've changed things forever. There's no going back. Uh, He says the Joker says that in a trailer and it comes off a little differently in the film. So Joker's going to be hopefully a huge hit. Uh, I hope that for DC and for comic book fans everywhere, this is one of those 96% on Rotten Tomatoes rumors of a Academy Award nomination. That's what I'm really hoping for. But that that's a big, big, big movie. Uh, the following week, we get an animated version of The Adams Family. That's October 11th. We're already in October here. And Adams Family is just so goofy and fun. I, box office-wise, this is one of those movies that could do well because people my age that have kids, they saw The Adams Family movie with, you know, what's her name? Uh, Christine Ricci. Christina Ricci. And Christopher Lloyd, they saw that 20 years ago, and they said, oh, my goodness, you know, I remember The Addams Family. Uh, also, obviously, The Addams Family was a TV show a long time ago, so grandparents may say, oh, we're going to go see it. Now, you're going to have to wonder, is it going to be cute, is it going to be clever, or is it going to be overly grotesque, right? Is it going to be Hotel Transylvania, or is it going to try and be something that really doesn't have an audience, right, where it's going to be too juvenile for adults and it's going to be too grown up or too grotesque for kids. We will see. Uh, Also coming out that Friday, though, is Gemini Man. If you have not seen the trailer for this, you have to see it again. I talked about Sylvester Stallone a little bit ago and my kinship with him being from Philadelphia and him being Rocky. Uh, Gemini Man stars Will Smith versus Will Smith. And man, the trailer's awesome because Will Smith, come on, we we knew him when he was a 22-year-old kid. 
and they de-age him in a way that it's basically a 40 or 50-year-old version of Will Smith versus a 20-year-old version of Will Smith. Uh, This is a remake, uh, but I'm in for this. And again, I hope this is one of those movies. Will Smith, I mean, Aladdin didn't go all that good. Years ago, we had After Earth, I think, but... And, of course, he was in Suicide Squad. He's left that. Will Smith, I want to see a big hit for him. And I really hope Gemini Man's it. I mean, the fact that it's coming out in October, not quite sure if that's a good sign or a bad sign. I mean, at least it's not, like, September or, like, I don't know. Movies, you know, the dumping ground for movies used to be, like, September and January and February. I mean, it's changed a little bit. Marvel drops movies in February now. Um, so I really hope Gemini Man is good. I, I can definitely get on board with that. Uh, the following week, which is uh, October the 18th, there's two big movies coming out, two big sequels. Uh, and the thing that these two sequels have in common is it's like I didn't even know they were coming. Uh, and those two sequels are uh, Malef- Maleficent. I always screw that up. The Mistress of Evil. So Angelina Jolie is back in that role. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I liked the first one. I didn't realize we needed a second one. Uh, and then Zombieland, Double Tap, Holy Moly Me Oh My. I, again, I didn't know this movie was coming at all. They dropped the trailer for it recently. Uh, pretty much all the original cast is back. Abigail Breslin, who was much younger, uh, is, is back, and she's older now, a little bit more of a grown-up. Uh, So that comes out October 18th. Now, what's funny is neither one of those, we've yet to really, The Joker's not really a horror movie. Uh, uh, Adam's Family is like barely a horror movie. I guess I forgot in October that could help that out. Gemini Man isn't a horror movie. Uh, Maleficent, I guess, is a horror movie for children. Zombieland, I mean, I know it's zombies, but I think it's really a comedy uh, so October the 25th, right bef- the week before Halloween, uh, we've got Black and Blue, Countdown, and The Last Full Measure. Last Full Measure is a war movie. Uh, Countdown is... That's uh, not showing me a preview. Sorry, my internet's running a little bit slow here. Let me pull it up. How you doing? <laughs> Countdown 2019. Yeah, it doesn't say much about it here. Uh, a bunch of actors that I don't know. So we're going to go ahead and ignore Countdown. Um, the November 1st, which is the day after Halloween, uh, there's a movie coming out called Motherless Brooklyn. But the real movie to talk about is Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, now, similar to what Halloween did, Terminator Dark Fate is ignoring all of the sequels and this is basically Terminator three and all of the original stars are back. Okay. Linda, Linda Hamilton is back as Sarah Connors. Uh, it broke at San Diego comic con that, uh, it's named Edward Furlong is back as John Connors. And of course, Arnold is in it. Uh, now what's really one of the most interesting horror movies is actually coming out November 8th. And that is Dr. Sleep. Don't know how many people know about this, this Dr. Sleep film, uh, but it's actually a sequel to The Shining. And this isn't some goofy redux reboot that they're trying to do. Uh, 
They went out and got Ewan McGregor. To, you know, the little boy from The Shining, he's, he's now Ewan McGregor, which is crazy. Uh, that, that's definitely going to be interesting. And the, the <coughs> excuse me, the, um, the trailer looks good. It really does. Uh, also coming out that week is Arctic Dogs, which is about like a snow fox that thinks he's an Arctic dog. If you've seen a movie this summer, you've probably seen the trailer where they have like, mm, you know what? I might be confusing this with the trailer for, uh, Angry Birds. One of them, they have like a dance off. Yeah, I think that's actually Angry Birds. Arctic Dogs is just an animated movie that they're throwing out in November as things start to get cold and you're going to go see movies. <laughs> um, uh, next one, next big movie that I see is Charlie's Angels, which is, uh, again, kind of a reboot, something that I didn't know we needed. But the cast looks really good. It's uh, it's what's her name? Kristen Stewart, who I actually really like, believe it or not. Um, it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, who, you know, we, we know who Elizabeth Banks is at this point, right? Uh, Naomi Scott, who I think was the pink ranger, uh, in, in the recent remake of the power Rangers and then Ella Belinska. I don't know. I apologize. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure Ella is listening to this podcast, but they're the angels. Um, who knows? Could be surprisingly good, right? I mean, Elizabeth Banks is is awesome. It's great she has an opportunity to direct a feature film, especially something that that it's that high profile. Uh, so then that takes us one week later to November twenty second, and two movies, which could be a little bit of powerhouses, uh, is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which is Tom Hanks' take on Mister Rogers. Now, this is this is kind of insane to me, and I say this with all the love in the world. Tom Hanks has now portrayed Mr. Rogers and Walt Disney. And and realistically, I mean, first off, Mr. Rogers seems like just about the sweetest guy in the world. Uh, Walt Disney, who had his flaws, is one of the most important icons and really one of the most beloved icons ever. And Tom Hanks, who could very well be the most beloved actor of all time, uh, most likable actor of all time, uh, he's portrayed both of them. Good for him. Movie looks absolutely great. Uh, if it's good enough, it could be in some Oscar contention. If not, I hope it's just enjoyable and we get to see a great story about Mr. Rogers and hopefully we all are better for it, right? I think the world needs more Mr. Rogers and I'll take uh, I'll take Tom Hanks as his proxy right now. Uh, but the other big movie to hit November 22nd is Frozen 2. If you heard my voice perk up, uh, that was not a coincidence. Guys, Frozen is freaking awesome. And Frozen 2 looks truly fantastic. Remember, this isn't Pixar. This is Disney animation. And for a while there, when you think about like Wreck-It Ralph, Tangled, Frozen, they were making better movies than Pixar. Pixar started the CGI cartoon uh, thing with Toy Story. But uh, for a while there... Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, and Tangled. Those three movies were better than the three movies that Pixar put out at that time. And they really seem to be going for it with Frozen 2. I mean, that first trailer, the first teaser trailer, they didn't say anything. They just showed these, like, epic scenes of war, almost, right? Of conflict, of... uh, It was really neat. And it really... I think that they recognized that Frozen came out... 
what is it, probably, I guess, five or six years ago, and that their audience is now, that their main target audience, who was maybe 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, is now 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and then there's 32-year-olds like me who like Elsa a whole bunch, you know? like So uh, believe it or not, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Frozen drop on the same day, November 22nd. Uh, crazy in addition to that. Uh, you know, and this is right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, Thanksgiving, I think, is the 28th of November. Uh, there's also a movie coming out called 21 Bridges, uh, which actually stars Chadwick Boseman, who is Black Panther, and the Playmobil movie, which, uh, of course, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you, but that was disappointing for me when I was a kid when I got Playmobil instead of Lego, just because there was... It seems like Lego. You think that they're like building blocks and you kind of realize that they're more just play sets. But they ha- they've done some really cool and creative things. And who knows? That could be like one of those movies where we're just like, well, yeah, I kind of wrote it off as way too late and way too Lego adjacent, if you will. Uh, but it could turn out to be good. Uh, the other movie that comes out that week is Rhythm Section, which uh, all of those movies the week before Thanksgiving – are all a wide release. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Rhythm Section stars Blake Lively, Jude Law, uh, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us. Uh, don't know much about it, but um, it just says a woman seeks revenge against those who orchestrated a plane crash that killed her family. So uh, I think if we're looking at the box office that weekend, Frozen 2, followed by... A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, followed by 21 Bridges, followed by Playmobil, followed by Rhythm Section. Uh, That's going to be a big weekend for the box office, though. Uh, And then nothing comes out actually on Thanksgiving, uh, but the day before, uh, we just get a couple smaller movies, which I don't know anything about. Uh, Then in December, obviously, well, there's a couple big movies in December. I'm looking here real quick. The Aeronauts. Yeah, listen. Oh, no, no, not even going to go over that one. That looks like it could very well be. Hmm. You got Felicity Jones and Ed, Eddie uh, Red, Redman. Is that how you say it? Um, you know, he's he's Newt, I think, from the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, but they find themselves in an epic fight for survival while attempting to make discoveries in a hot air balloon. I'm not even sure what the genre is of this. Uh, it's got a, it's got a decent cast looking at it. Interesting. And that kind of has that first Friday in December all to itself. So be, it could be kind of cool. Uh, following week is black Christmas, which is probably some sort of horror movie. Uh, in addition to that, we've got Jumanji, The Next Level, great time for that to come out, December 13th, the holidays, uh, people are looking for things to do, um, and that is going to lead to December 20th, okay, everything, everything leads to December 20th, the final Star Wars film, Rise of Skywalker, now, like I said, Jumanji's perfect, Uh, that will own the box office December 13th, and for uh, people that aren't Star Wars fans or for people that can't get tickets to Rise of Skywalker, Jumanji's going to do great that following week when Rise of Skywalker comes out. Also coming out December the 20th is Cats, which is literally 
the worst Broadway show I've ever seen in my entire life. I actually just saw it about a month ago. Could not believe how horrible it was. Uh, and then I watched the trailer for this movie and basically said, uh, yep, that's, uh, that's, that's what I saw on Broadway for sure. So uh, also coming out the 20th. Uh, is a movie called Super Intelligence. And Carol, the description for that is Carol Peters' life is turned upside down when she's selected for observation by the world's first super intelligence, a form of artificial intelligence that may or may not take over the world. Now, that is starring Melissa McCarthy. Uh, right now, it seems to have a PG rating. I don't think this is quite a kid's movie. But, uh, yeah, it's called an action comedy. Maybe that turns to PG-13 later, but I I like Melissa McCarthy. I think she's got killer charisma. And uh, that's not going to top any box offices, but, again, gives you a second or third family choice behind Star Wars. Uh, Christmas, which actually falls on a Wednesday this year, has three movies coming out. You've got 1917, which is... Um, it's funny. I just pulled it up. It just says basically the plot is unknown. It is set during World War One. It's a film by Sam Mendes, who is an exceptionally talented director. I believe he did American Beauty, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but it's got Benedict Cumberbatch in it and Colin Firth. And yeah, I guess it's going to be a war movie. Really interesting. But I wonder if that's got any more. If that's just a good old fashioned war movie or if there's something else. Uh, something else about that film. Also coming out on Christmas is it looks like a remake of Little Women. Uh, also, Spies in Disguise, which is that animated film where uh, the guy is turned into a pigeon, voiced uh, by Will Smith, and his little partner in crime is Tom Holland. So, yeah, guys, that is... The entire year's worth of films that are coming out. Hopefully you heard some things in there you didn't know was coming. Hopefully there's some things in there that kind of piqued your interest. Uh, so, like I said last time, I will be back momentarily for you. It will be seconds for me. It's going to be a glass of water and maybe a glass of milk. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be back to talk about CM Punk joining AEW and why, spoiler alert, I don't know if he should. We'll be back with that in one second, guys. So before I get into my CM Punk thing, I want to tell you guys a little bit of a funny story. Uh, I am not a huge music guy. Uh, I basically find one band and fall in love with them for like a year or two at a time. So like dating back to 2010... I guess even further back, right, is it was like Xavier Rudd, if you're familiar with him. Then later it was Michael Franti. Uh, and then I became obsessed with the band Dr. Dog. And then I really liked a band called The Drums for a while. Then I got into like Langhorn Slim and The Lumineers. And then now uh, one of my favorite bands is Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Name sounds ridiculous. Music is amazing, right? I just, I love the story of it all. I love the emotion of it all, but I'm constantly looking for like other bands. So sometimes I will uh, put on Spotify radio or Pandora radio and try and find some new bands, right? I recently even kind of fell in love with Post Malone. I'm going to see him in October. I like Post Malone. <laughs> um, but uh, it was funny, man. 
this this one band came on uh, the Rainbow Kitten Surprise Station, and they were called Voxtrot, V-O-X-T-R-O-T. And I was like, this is awesome. I had never heard any of their music before. And they have a song called The Start of Something. They have a song called Raised by Wolves. And like, they're the kind of songs you just put on repeat and you listen to really loud. And there's all these different levels. Uh, You know, they build the crescendos and then they go into these repetitions of beat. And oh my goodness, I love it. I was like, this is it. This is my new Rainbow Kitten surprise. Now, one of the hallmarks of the bands I fall in love with is then I like to travel a little bit to say like, oh, where are they going to be? Okay, cool. Like, that gives me a reason to go to New York or DC or, uh, you know, some area of New Jersey or something. So I fall in love with this band Voxtrot and I'm listening to their whole album beginning to end really, really, really into it. It was just like the first album, uh, is what I was listening to. One of their first albums or one of their albums, whatever the case is, I was just really into it and I wasn't paying attention to any more details. And then I found out that they broke up in 2010. <laughs> and that just so disappointed me because uh, their music just really totally resonated with me. Uh, but I will never get a chance to see Vox Trot. Uh, as I stepped away, I put on one of their songs and just kind of nodded my head along with it. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. So, um, like I said, I want to talk about AEW, something we've talked about on almost every podcast so far. If you're new to the podcast, basically, the thing I can tell you about AEW is that it's the first potential serious competitor to Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Entertainment. So it is the first viable contender uh, to be a mainstream success. They are coming to TNT on October the 2nd. They're going to be there on Wednesday, October the 2nd. The show will be live from Washington, D.C. I will hopefully be in attendance. Tickets go on sale this Friday. Uh, uh, recently actually tickets for new Japan pro wrestling here in Philadelphia went on sale and I did not get tickets. So I'm really hoping I get tickets to AEW now before their massive debut on television, they are doing one more, uh, pay-per-view. Now they did all in, which was unofficial last September, unofficial AEW. And then in May they did double or nothing. The first official AEW show. They did two kind of smaller shows. I almost want to call them practice shows, which was Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. We've talked about that on this podcast network. Uh, As we said, smaller shows, but at All Out in Chicago on Labor Day weekend, we've got John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, taking on Kenny Omega. And uh, the other main match there is Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page, the young upstart Hangman Page. Uh, Now, here's an interesting thing. Okay, so in conjunction with these massive AEW shows, a.k.a. All In, Double or Nothing, and All Out, uh, a guy named Conrad Thompson, uh, who's a little bit of a wrestling icon in the way that he promotes and he brings special experiences to fans and he has a killer podcast. So Conrad puts together a a kind of a fan conclave, a convention 
in conjunction with these large shows. And it's a weekend-long convention, and he brings in all, all types of people, uh, even people that have nothing to do with AEW. He brings in some legends. He brings in podcasters. Uh, and wrestlers come and they sign autographs and there's vendors there for you to buy wrestling memorabilia. Uh, it's really nice. I really enjoyed the one that he did at all in, uh, heard great things from the stuff that came out of Las Vegas for double or nothing. And he's now doing Starcast three in Chicago, uh, all out weekend, which is labor day weekend. Now, CM Punk, the professional wrestler who unceremoniously, up and left WWE five years ago, um, six years ago, is it? It was right before WrestleMania 30. So we're coming up on six years of Punk being gone, and he's not stepped foot back in a wrestling ring. Uh, he's gone in the octagon with UFC and MMA. He's lost both of those fights. He's doing some commentary for them now, but people are wondering is uh, now is now the time for CM Punk to come back. So when StarCast 3 was announced, uh, the logo had blue and white and red, and it's these red stars. And most wrestling fans have seen that on CM Punk merchandise, which got them thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, CM Punk is coming to StarCast, and he's coming to AEW. Now, that initial knee-jerk reaction is wrong because CM Punk uses those symbols because that is the Chicago flag. Uh, CM, depending on who you talk to, sometimes it means chick magnet and sometimes it means Chicago made or there's a lot of speculation of what CM and CM Punk means. Uh, but Punk has never been secretive about his Chicago roots, right? The biggest match of his entire career against John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011 was uh, in Chicago. Uh, as the commentators put it, they said, you know, this is like the Chicago Bears hosting the Super Bowl and then playing in it. It's a home game. Uh, so when the StarCast stuff came out, uh, people thought that that was a sure a telltale sign that CM Punk was going to be there and that CM Punk was going to get involved with AEW. Again, that's not why they made the logo like that. But sure enough, CM Punk has been announced as a guest for StarCast 3, and it's raised some eyebrows. Now, I mean, it probably shouldn't in the fact that CM Punk's hometown is Chicago. And during All In Weekend last September, Punk did a signing at Pro Wrestling Tees. But he's now 23 miles closer to the All Elite guys. And those 23 miles feel important. See, that's the Pro Wrestling Tees shop in Chicago. It's 23 miles away from where StarCast is being held. Uh, but so when he did that signing at the Pro Wrestling Tees store all out weekend, all in weekend, I guess some people speculated that he was going to show up at All In. But it wasn't this foregone conclusion. But those 23 miles between the Pro Wrestling Tees store, where he was last year, and uh, now this year, StarCast, which is basically the AEW convention, those 23 miles feel important. See, he wasn't necessarily going to cross paths with Cody and the Young Bucks in an alley behind the Pro Wrestling Tees store. At least it seemed unlikely. 
But now CM Punk's walking into one of the largest professional wrestling conventions of the year, and he's breathing the same air as many of the All Elite Wrestling roster members. should be noted that StarCast isn't the same as All Elite. It's a wrestling convention put on by a different company owned by Conrad Thompson and has no official ties to Tony Khan's AEW, but still, those 23 miles feel important. This is the closest that Punk has been to wrestling since his departure from WWE. Sure, he's likely getting paid upwards of $20,000 for a couple of hours of work, but I'm sure he's been offered that much and more in the past, and he said no. So the 23 miles between his Pro Wrestling Tees appearance during All In Weekend and now his StarCast appearance during All Out Weekend makes it all feel kind of special. Will Punk join AEW? I'm not sure that's a question we should be asking anymore. I think the question we should ask now is, should Punk join AEW? That's the question Punk and the executive vice presidents of AEW need to ask themselves. We've said before in this show about how wrestling is akin to comics. It's a bait and switch with ebbs and flows on a wheel that never stops turning. The impact of any landmark event diminishes with time as the story continues on. Big battles, death, resurrection, those types of things in comic books. They're everything in the moment, but in time, things go back to normal. Because the stakes that are so high, they're impossible to sustain, right? Eventually... Peter Parker is resurrected in Spider-Man, and eventually he's fighting a goon on a corner. Superman, death of Superman, uh, eventually he's just having relationship problems with, with, with Lois. Okay, those, those big moments diminish with time. And in professional wrestling, we saw it firsthand with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, who was maybe the biggest beneficiary of CM Punk leaving, uh, ended his career. He was done. The dream that was WrestleMania 30 happened, and then his career ended when he was forced to retire. He kind of went out on top. Uh, but then later, a miracle happened, and Daniel Bryan could come back. He was medically cleared. It, it felt like it would change everything in professional wrestling, one of its top stars returning to the WWE. But a year and a half later, he's wrestling every week in a tag team on a show that has historically low ratings. It's not a knock on Daniel Bryan. He's done some of the best work of his career with his second chance. But it's a cautionary tale for everyone who wants to see CM Punk return to wrestling. See, booking his return at this point is nearly impossible. Does he come back for just one match? Well, it'd be impossible for a single match to live up to the hype. The guy hasn't wrestled in over five years. Sure, he's one of the most gifted entertainers in the art form, but the chances of him having the best match of his career with five years of ring rust seems pretty hard to imagine. If he came back for one match, who would he fight and who would win that match? <laughs> Again, that's, that's a nearly impossible decision to make. If he only did the big shows, he'd basically just be Brock Lesnar or Triple H. If he came back full-time... Would he be booked as AEW's top star for the duration of his contract? Or would he be like Daniel Bryan is now? I don't have the answers to any of these questions. I'd love to see Punk back in the ring, especially for AEW. But as I try and navigate the labyrinth of expectations, I'm at a loss of where to go. In a way, the least risky and disappointing answer is this. CM Punk should stay retired. But here I am, and there he is, in Chicago, 
23 close 23 miles closer to a return than he's ever been before. And the fan in me can't help but wonder. So that's those were my thoughts back on July 18th or 19th. Since then, CM Punk has talked to ESPN. And uh, it's actually been a little bit of an awkward exchange where he basically said that the guys from AEW have texted him multiple times. And Cody Rhodes, the executive vice president of AEW, apparently texted him an offer. And Punk apparently didn't like that because Punk's a little bit of a stickler. He's a fickle guy. And uh, he believes business should be done one way. And he said business shouldn't be done via text message. Now, with that said, welcome to the world of professional wrestling, because Cody Rhodes shortly thereafter said something along the lines of like, yeah, dude, yeah, but we've met with him in person and this wasn't just a text message offer. And you know what? He's probably just going to go back to WWE, whatever. And that seemed like a little bit of a snarky reply to CM Punk's uh, interview. But as I said, welcome to wrestling. All of that could mean that Punk's definitely coming back at All Out and they're trying to throw us off the scent. Or it means that Punk has no interest and thinks that the guys in AEW shouldn't have texted him an offer. I don't know what to say. I'm honestly at a complete loss. But until All Out is over and they sign off a pay-per-view and until AEW has their first show on October 2nd, and Punk is nowhere to be found, there's this tiny part of me that wants to see him. Now, I spoke with a friend about all of this, and uh, he brought up a really interesting point that if you wanted to ease CM Punk back into things, you could announce him as a commentator. He could be a main event commentator. He could be a pay-per-view commentator. But that would kind of be the nice low-hanging fruit of saying, oh, CM Punk's coming back as a commentator. Don't expect him to be in the ring. And then if he's around the guys and he's around the ring and he feels comfortable, they could maybe start to tell a story, kind of like they ironically did with Daniel Bryan and The Miz, where a superstar or two, I can't believe I just said that, a wrestler or two gets in Punk's face. And you have Punk come out of the commentary booth. And uh, at that point, you would have seen CM Punk enough that it's not a huge deal to see him show up on a show, but it's still a huge deal to see him wrestle. Then after that, there wouldn't really be an expectation that he would continue wrestling. That's probably the best way for them to do it. Or, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to CM Punk saying, I'm back. And Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, I haven't gotten a chance in the past five years to kick the crap out of anyone, and I can't wait to do it to you. And for two years, Punk works a full-time schedule for AEW. Maybe he has a week or two off from television, uh, but he does all the big events. He tells the story, and uh, he ends his career on a high note instead of being unceremoniously dumped out of the Royal Rumble. That was the last time we saw CM Punk in a ring. So uh, let me know what you want to see. One thing that I've encouraged some people to start doing is feel free to record a voice memo on your phone. Send it over to me. 
I believe on my Instagram, you can click email and get my email and email it to me and I'll play it on this show. So uh, that's that. Let's talk a little bit about what we got right and what we got wrong with San Diego Comic-Con. So since we were just talking wrestling, let's kind of keep that going. Uh, We had announced at San Diego Comic-Con in Adam Cole with a North American Championship, uh, an Alicia Fox with a crazy hat, uh, the long-awaited Asuka, uh, which is apparently going to be a part of the Network Spotlight Special, which I believe is hitting Target very, very soon, according to Action Figure Attacks. Uh, we got a re-release of Diesel, the flashback, which a uh, little bit of a bummer. Diesel was my most valuable figure for a while, but he, he's being re-released. That's okay. Uh, we got a Dolph Ziggler that pretty much nobody asked for. All due respect to Ziggler. Uh, Don Morocco, who I have no idea who that is. I started watching wrestling in 1996, and anything before that, I have no interest in. Uh, Drew McIntyre is getting a, an elite release. Uh, this is not his first figure, uh, but it's his first mainstream figure. Uh, we got EC3, a guy who isn't very, uh, they're not using him a lot on main TV, but hey, man, the figure looks great. Uh, we got a new Finn Balor, uh, new Big Show, uh, of course, a Jeff Hardy, uh, good old Gerald Briscoe to go with the Pat Patterson. Uh, finally, an elite Jinder Mahal coming to a mainstream release with the WWE Championship. John Cena with his updated haircut. Uh, finally, also a mainstream Johnny Gargano elite. Uh, really love, really love Johnny Gargano. If you're not into wrestling all that much, um, Gargano's probably the guy I would say watch one of his matches. And if by the end you're not blown away, uh, wrestling's probably not for you. <laughs> uh, now, here's where some here's where some predictions started to come to fruition. Is Damian and I had talked about the prospect of them creating a cautious Ono, formerly known as Chris Hero on the independent circuit. Cautious Ono's one of the most uh, talented professional wrestlers who's kind of been held back. Speaking frankly, probably due to his physique, which uh, he's a little bit of a bigger guy. Uh, but his figure is truly fantastic, and we had predicted that. Now, he's wearing a lot of clothes in all the pictures. Uh, he's wearing a shirt and a jacket, so I'm not quite sure what his torso is. Damien and I had talked about the prospect of them introducing some new torsos, uh, which I'll get to in a second here. Um, we have a Nikki Bella, which, you know, I don't know if anybody needed another Nikki Bella, but we'll take it. Uh, one figure that we threw out there that... Sure enough, came to fruition is uh, we actually got Paige in her final wrestling attire. Uh, the figure looks great. Uh, there's a rumor maybe that it could be a Walgreens exclusive. I'm not sure, uh, but it's really nice that we got one final Paige figure, especially with the modern technology. It, it looks a lot more like her than any other Paige release, in my opinion. Uh, then, of course, there's classics like Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins. And I say classics, but like Nakamura, right? We have all those. Uh, they did announce a Vincent Kennedy McMahon, but to much to my surprise, it was a throwback of Vince McMahon. Uh, speaking of throwbacks, uh, Series 100 for the basic figures is really some of WWE's top stars ever. I believe it's John Cena, The Rock, HBK, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Undertaker. Uh, we also, as predicted, got 
a Baron Corbin figure uh, in his general manager outfit. Uh, we're getting a new Carmella, who I welcome more Carmellas. I don't think I have one of her in my collection yet, uh, but she's been on TV pretty consistently, even though, um, again, I say this with all due respect, she's not one of the top wrestlers in the company, but yet she's still one of the top acts in the company, one of the top characters, if you will. Uh, and then a figure that Damien and I both agreed was coming, and sure enough, here he is, Drake Maverick, Mr. 24-7 Champion. Uh, if you... If you haven't heard about the 24-7 championship, basically it's this championship that WWE has introduced where guys can pin each other uh, anywhere, as long as a referee is present, one, two, three. So Drake Maverick has had his wedding ruined and his honeymoon ruined uh, by this title. And so we're getting a Drake Maverick figure. It looks like we're actually getting a couple different versions of it. Head sculpt is real good. Uh, we'll be seeing a lot of Drake coming up. Uh, now, what's really interesting is Mattel... We talk a lot about elite figures. Now, if I can explain this, if, if you don't understand, um, there's more articulation and detail and accessories and paint applications on elite figures. And the price point there is basically $20. Uh, then they have what's called a basic line, which the price point there is usually about $10. Uh, so uh, where their legs are, they can basically only kick forward and kick back a little bit. Okay, it's not on a ball joint. So uh, you can make them sit down and you can make them stand up, but you can't make them do a split. Okay, I hope that properly explains the articulation there. Uh, the other difference in articulation is a lot of the guys for elite have what's kind of called like an ab crunch where you could basically put their shoulders back or forward. Imagine if you slouch your shoulders forward. Um Basic figures, again, do not have that. Uh, and they also, their shoulders are just a little bit different, uh, and they never come with accessories, unless it's a two-pack, then they do. Um, so, interestingly, Mattel decided to put some figures that are coming out for the first time ever in the basic line and not in the elite. And that includes Keith Lee, who we mentioned specifically on the last podcast, who has a very interesting torso. <laughs> And it seems like they did a custom torso for him. He's a big, big, big guy. Check out Cliff, uh, Cliff Lee. Oh, my goodness. Did I say Cliff Lee the first time? I got baseball on the brain. Uh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee. <laughs> Another basic uh, they're doing is, is a nice Kofi Kingston. Lars Sullivan, first figure ever, will be a basic, as will Matt Riddle's. Uh, Matt Riddle, uh, they have him going barefoot, which is pretty cool. He's wearing his bro gear. Uh, we've got an updated R-Truth, who R-Truth is the other guy who's the 24-7 uh, champion. Uh, we've got Alita and Trish Battle Pack. This is the late 30s, early 40 versions of these uh, beautiful women who came back to do a match, you know, in the past year or two. Um they're both phenomenal athletes. I'll tell you, I would watch Trish and Lita in the ring today. Uh, they are just, they were amazing. They were ahead of their time, and uh, they're better now than they've ever been. So we're getting a battle pack of them. Uh, in addition to that, we're getting a New Day battle pack with Xavier Woods and Big E Langston. Well, I guess it's just Big E now. They, they dropped his last name, but uh, uh, they come with a plate of pancakes. Um also, great little surprise that came out of San Diego Comic-Con is uh, we are getting Elite 2-packs. I thought that maybe fell by the wayside because they did like a Nation of Domination one with Veruk and The Rock, and that didn't necessarily, I don't think that sold too well. 
They did another one with the uh, Samoans, Wild Samoans. Uh, again, I got that on clearance. Um, there was one, I think, with the Godfather. But before he was the Godfather, he was... Oh, man. Go ahead. If you know what I'm talking about, you can scream it at your radio right now. That's it. That's it. Um, and Ultimate Warrior. So... That those elite two packs didn't sell too well, but they're bringing them back and they're actually doing some cool pairings. Uh, Finn Balor and AJ Styles, both of which were uh, both of which were members of the Bullet Club in Japan before coming to the WWE. Finn Balor actually started it. Uh, they borrowed the two sweet hand symbol. If you don't know what that is, you put your pinky and index finger all the way up, uh, and then you have your fingertips. Uh, you don't do the rock and roll symbol um, where you put your where you put your middle finger and ring finger underneath your thumb. You actually have all of them kind of kiss out front, and it actually looks like a dog head kind of. That's why they kind of called themselves the Wolf Pack back in WCW when those guys did it. But um, the club appropriated that, and uh, we call that the Too Sweet symbol. And yeah, they've got a two pack coming out with AJ Styles and Finn Balor, and they actually come with additional hands so they can do the two two sweet symbol. And I don't know, I think that's awesome. Uh, then we have a Rey Mysterio and Samoa Joe Elite two pack coming. Uh, another, uh, excuse me, another Batista. He's actually a basic figure. It looks like uh, we've got a Becky Lynch, the man, coming out. Not in her WrestleMania gear. I can understand though. That in order to do the WrestleMania gear, they would have to do a whole new head sculpt because her hair was so funky. Uh, but we get a the man, Becky Lynch, and I believe she will come with both belts. So it's kind of Becky two belts. Uh, we're also going to get Buddy Murphy from 205 Live, who apparently kind of came up onto the main roster, although he hasn't done much there. Uh, we get Christian. Uh, if you remember, if you watch wrestling in the late 90s, there was The Brood with Gangrel, Edge, and Christian. That's his Christian in those clothes. Uh, we get what, my goodness gracious, in its rendering, looks like one of the best figures of all time. Daniel Bryan with his World Heavyweight Championship. If they can make the paint application look anything like the digital render, uh, as I said, this will be the greatest WWE figure ever. We will see. Uh, also getting a classy Freddie Blassie, who he is going to be a chase figure, thank God, because not a guy I'll be chasing down. <laughs> also going to get a Gorilla Monsoon, who uh, comes with an alternate torso. Apparently Gorilla, uh, if you remember from the late 80s, uh, early 90s, Gorilla wore a tux sometimes with a bow tie. Other times he wore a suit and tie. So we're going to get a multi-era Gorilla Monsoon. Pretty cool. Uh, Grand Matalik Elite Collection. This is a guy that uh, Damien asked for, and the gods have smiled down upon him. Uh, joining him is his uh, good buddy Kalisto and uh, Lince Dorado. All those guys, elite, which is great. I'm so glad that they're investing in their young talent and giving us some really cool action figures. Uh, nice little flashback we got coming is the Hurricane. Shane, I believe it's Shane Helms, Greg Helms. I always forget what he goes by. Uh, but the Hurricane, uh, he's kind of superhero action figure. He's kind of a superhero gimmick, right? And, uh, yeah, he's coming out in an elite figure. It's going to be great. Jim the Anvil Neidhart, 
Elite Collection. That's awesome. Jim is uh, the father of current WWE superstar Natalia, uh, who is also getting a new Elite figure. Uh, her figure, she had one coming out a couple years ago, maybe about a year ago, got scrapped. Uh, they found a new home for it. She got some really good deco on her. Uh, she got cute little cat ears. She's known as being a cat lover. So really cool that uh, we get to see a father and daughter get released, especially with Jim passing away. Uh, then as I demanded and requested and hoped for, we got a Kyrie Sane. Now, if you don't know who Kyrie Sane is, uh, she is a tiny little thing who wears a gigantic pirate cap and comes out with a uh, a wheel from a ship, you know, like a pinwheel, somebody you would call it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but a steering wheel from a ship. She comes out with that. And we're going to get all those accessories. Uh, also going to get a Lacey Evans. Um, that is the figure that it's going to keep on giving. We talked about that on the last podcast, about how she wears so many different outfits to the ring that once you nail her head sculpt, you're going to be able to dress her up in 20 different ways and keep selling elite figures of her. We're also going to get a Mandy Rose, which is great. That fixes the travesty that was the Mandy Rose basic figure for a long time. Uh, WWE and Mattel struggled with creating female figures. Uh, women are intrinsically more petite than men, I guess. Like men, we have these big, dumb blockheads, uh, and women are these sculpted beauties. Um, and uh, they just made the heads so large and so many of the features uh, that make all women beautiful. You know, they're I'm not going to talk about what makes women beautiful, but like. You know, their lips, right? Guy lips. I've never looked at, I don't know what any guy's lips look like, but women, it's like, oh, wow, she has, you know, red lips or or whatever. Like all those little details that just make women unique and wonderful, they always got lost in the action figure process. And it seems like uh, WWE, uh, excuse me, Mattel has found a way to really capture that. You know, like this, this woman, Mandy, has like, nice cheekbones. Okay. Like her chin looks a certain way. That's different than other people's chins. Um, again, I don't know if I've ever looked at a guy's chin and been like, Oh, it's a different chin, you know, but like a woman, it's like, Oh wow. She has a very nice, she has very nice cheeks or very nice eyes or eyelashes or eyebrows or whatever. Like I said, we all have someone in our life that we look at and we're like, wow, she's gorgeous. Um, and it's unique. And the broad stroke, uh, you know, sculpted heads that we can use for men where nobody's looking to see if they look handsome. They just need to look kind of roughly like the male, you know, the real life counterpart. Um, yeah, that's always been lost on women, but Mattel's figured it out. And, uh, you know, some of WWE's top stars are now getting action figures that look just like them. Uh, thank goodness. Pete Dunn, who was impossible to find last time, is getting a mainstream elite uh, release, uh, complete with his bear tattoo on his knee. <laughs> um, again, we get some classic guys like Ray Mysterio and Rick Rude. Uh, then one of the other fun little highlights for me is we get Roderick Strong, who's a member of the Undisputed Era. Now, as we said, we're getting an Adam Cole. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, but what's really cool about Roddy is he was supposed to come out in an NXT wave at Target, but it seems as though that wave has been canceled. And we're now getting a new Roddy that comes with uh, the signature hand gesture of Undisputed Era, which you kind of make an E with one hand and a U with the other, and uh, you cross them in such a way that it looks like 
UE Undisputed Era. So we're getting some alternate hands with Roddy. That's going to be great. It's an elite figure. Getting another Ronda Rousey with her ring gear where she kind of does the black swan face uh, makeup. Really cool. Uh, Another Seth Rollins in his Chicago Bears colors. Uh, Viscera, who is a mountain of a man. You talk about unique sculpts for people. Uh, we're getting a Viscera, which makes sense because we got his other his other gimmick before he was Viscera. He was, he was Mabel. We got that figure recently. So we're going to get a really, really, really nice, really hefty looking Viscera. Looking forward to that. Uh, then there's an interesting figure where it is the Undertaker as Kane. I guess that's something that happened at some point. During, you know, Monday Night Raw. And uh, that's a ringside collectible exclusive we're getting. Uh, the other huge news coming out of San Diego Comic Con is we are getting a China action figure. Uh, now, I'll put this as delicately as possible. Um, China was, she was a female wrestler. She blazed the path for a lot of female wrestlers. She wrestled men. She was... She was a very, very, very fit woman. She kicked butt, and she was a member of D-Generation X. Well, after she left WWE, she got involved in a few things that WWE's publicly traded corporation thing. Like They didn't like it, so China kind of got scrubbed from WWE history, which is a real shame because she was truly a trailblazer for uh, the women now. And for a long time, they had forgotten about her, but sure enough, here we are, China is getting an elite action figure. Good on Mattel and WWE for being mature about that and recognizing that uh, somebody's contributions to the industry should not be overshadowed by a less-than-ideal post-in-ring uh, life. And, you know, I hate to say it, by all accounts, to her dying day, she was an absolutely wonderful person to a lot of people. Uh, so... China is coming to the Elite Collection. That's awesome. Uh, Another throwback, we're getting Greg the Hammer Valentine. And if you look at his sculpt, it's amazing. It looks just like him. Uh, We're also getting a uh, kind of a weird version of Sting. Uh, The one they showed was unpainted. I don't know if it's his WrestleMania attire or if it's uh, uh, something from WCW days. But we're getting a new Sting, getting a new Brock who comes with the Universal Championship. It actually is a really nice-looking Brock. Um, is it an ultimate edition or am I wrong on that? Might be. I think it might actually be an ultimate edition, which again, we talked about, we have the $10 price point to $20 price point. Now they're doing $30 figures, which come with some seriously cool accessories. Uh, also we are getting an HBK ultimate edition HBK. I believe we predicted that one. So good on us. Uh, in addition to that, we're getting a Finn Balor, which I hate to say it, Whatever. Like, there's been so many demon fins that have come out. I don't know if that's what I wanted to see them uh, do their ultimate edition on, but that's cool. That will probably sell pretty well because people like demon fin for a while. You know, when you start to collect as many action figures as I do and you have to kind of slow it down, a lot of guys do what's called a focus. And uh, that was going to be one of my focuses there for a while, it was going to be a Finn Balor demon focus. Uh, but I hate to say it, Finn Balor's been so underutilized in the WWE, uh, I really lost steam for that. Uh, another ultimate figure we're getting is Triple H, which, again, makes sense because it's Triple H. And he's had so many different looks over the years. 
Uh, it's a shame Damien and I didn't predict that. We should have. Uh, you could do a hundred versions of Triple H because he's really changed his look over the years and his ring attire, and he's had all those really look up like Triple H WrestleMania entrance. You'll see a lot of the cool costumes he's worn over the years. Uh, so he's coming with the old WWE Championship belt, a variety of accessories and different heads reflecting his different hairstyles. Uh, we're also getting a Booker T Elite. I don't remember the last time we got a Booker T. I'm happy about that. I, I always liked Booker as a wrestler. Uh, we're getting a Kofi Kingston. Uh, looks like kind of like his WrestleMania attire. Uh, Awoken Matt Hardy WrestleMania attire. Uh, Hardy's a great guy. He's a great action figure. Um, and then we're completing what I guess is technically the four or five or six faces of Foley, whatever it is now. We're basically getting a Mick Foley that's less Cactus Jack and more Mick Foley. I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, when he was Cactus Jack, he was wore his Cactus Jack shirt and did his hair a little different and wore different pants and shoes. Uh, when Mick Foley wrestled as Mick Foley, he wore like tennis shoes, white tennis shoes and sweatpants and a red flannel. So that's the Foley we're getting. He comes with the bang, bang fingers, little gun fingers. I like that. Really, I like anything to do with Foley. He's one of the good ones. He's one of the good guys. We're also getting a ref, <laughs> Danny Davis. Uh, he's going to be a Build-A-Figure, I guess, for the WrestleMania series. So we'll see them early next year. Uh, he's wearing the old-school ref attire. I don't really know, as I said, my wrestling fandom only stretches to about when I was 10 years old. So I don't really know who Danny Davis is, but uh, it's cool to see the old ref attire where it's like the baby blue shirt with the bow tie. Uh, and then we start to get some really weird things here. So uh, you may or may not know, but Mattel has has the license for other toys, right? Uh, famously, they made basically Barbies of the, the, the female wrestlers uh, because Mattel makes Barbie. Uh, so they also have the <laughs> they also have the license to make Ghostbusters toys. And so they took five WWE superstars and made four of them the Ghostbusters and one of them a ghost. So you've got The Rock, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, all in very odd versions of their clothes, but also with Ghostbuster jumpsuits. And those four guys are the Ghostbusters. And the fifth person is The Undertaker, and he's he's molded in a translucent purple plastic, so I guess he's kind of the ghost, but I guess each one of these guys is going to come with a proton pack, and uh, this is a Walmart exclusive. I'm not sure if it's a five pack or if you're going to have to hunt down all four individually, uh, or all five individually, and that'll be a little bit of a pain, kind of, if that's the way it's going to go. Uh, but in addition to that... They also announced W, excuse me, Masters of the WWE Universe. Now, Master of the Universe is He Man, right? Uh, so it's WWE figures in the style of He Man figures. Uh, now, WWE and Mattel have done a lot of weird things like this recently, right? They did zombie figures, they did mutant figures. Um, this takes the cake. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say I don't know who the demographic is. I know it's wrestling fans who are also He-Man fans, but like obviously they're not just poured like the Masters of the Universe figures. They are uh, they 
they look like I was going to say superheroes, but they're not really superheroes. Like whatever He-Man is, fantasy, fantasy, if you will, look like fantasy characters. Uh, so we're getting fantasy versions of uh, not not very uh, surprising here. Ultimate Warrior, Sting, Triple H, Finn Balor, um, John Cena, <laughs> a couple different versions of John Cena, actually. Uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Rey Mysterio, Roman Reigns. So, uh, yeah, that's a wrap on, um, that is a wrap on uh, the WWE stuff. Took me a little while there. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. So after the event, uh, we actually had a chance to submit a couple questions to one of the guys from Mattel. Uh, Nothing special. He just he was he was on Instagram answering questions, and uh, he let fans ask questions. And he basically explained a couple different things that some wrestlers are not under contract for them to make action figures of them, which makes sense. They need a legends deal. They can't just make figures of everyone. I specifically asked about the UK people. Damian and I were pretty excited about the prospect of a Tony Storm and a Trent Seven. Uh, and he said, yeah, we're going to get around to those. He believes they're going to get around to those. He actually uh, also implied that he really wants a Tony Storm, too. Um, so that was one of the really big predictions we had that just didn't come to fruition, that they were going to introduce the UK figures. Also, we grabbed a couple random people. We said that they were maybe going to do like Bianca Belair. Uh, he said that she's in the works and she they would do something cool with her hair. Uh, then again, like I said, everyone's in the works. This is not an exclusive. Uh, if you follow action figure attack on Instagram, he works for Mattel. This is a guy who was just like, to my knowledge, was just like a toy fan. And he saw an opportunity to apply for Mattel. And he's basically now seemingly the second face. I'm not gonna say he's second in charge, but he's in terms of the public, the public figureheads of Mattel, the public representatives. He, he's the number two. So follow action figure attack. He's really actually a fantastic human being before he worked for Mattel. Even he, he's, he's super interactive and he's super nice. And the thing I love about him is he's a fan of toys. I mean, despite the fact that he works at Mattel, he posts stuff from Hasbro cause he's a collector and he's a fan. Like I said, he's an all around great guy. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up all the WWE stuff. Uh, if for some reason you love the WWE classics, the vintage figures, the retro figures, I do want to say that they are on hiatus if you did not hear that. So, um, yeah, actually, just real quick before I take another little break here. Uh, Marvel Legends, super X-Men heavy, super X-Men heavy. We're getting like a three-pack with Wolverine and... Uh, Jean Grey and Cyclops, uh, they're all kind of in their, I guess their Jim Lee gear, I guess you would say. A lot of the figures look like, you know, they had with the Toy Biz stuff back in the day. Uh, we did get, as I believe I predicted, a Squirrel Girl, who I think we had kind of joked about uh, how hard it was going to be to pronounce Squirrel Girl. Uh, we got nothing from the new Marvel Legends. Uh, excuse me. We got nothing from the Netflix shows. Um, MCU, I think the most exciting thing that we got, and I can't remember if, if, if we had talked about it on the podcast yet, um, but we had got fat Thor from, <laughs> from, um, 
Avengers Endgame. So I'm just pulling up the list now to see uh, if there was anything that I, I've missed here from San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Yeah, Fat Thor. Uh, we do get a um, Iron Man with the Infinity Gauntlet, but it does not come with Robert Downey Jr. head. I guess they don't have the rights for that. Uh, they reached back into the archive and uh, they pulled out Heimdall. Is that how you pronounce it? That's Idra, I- Idris Elba's character from Thor. Uh, we also are getting a movie version of Vision, which I think that's maybe the first. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think I am. Uh, I also think that there's a, I think there's a really cool Valkyrie that's a part of that wave too. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. My computer, my computer froze up there for a second, guys. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen that I got a new, um, I got a new computer and I absolutely love it, but I don't have all the podcast software installed on there yet. So I'm actually using my old computer to record this and, um, for better or worse, uh, my old computer is, is running out of space rapidly. So I wonder how quickly I'm gonna have to wrap up this podcast, um, some other figures that we saw uh, from Marvel is we got like a cosmic Ghost Rider, which is pretty cool. As I said, we got a lot of X-Men stuff. Um, we got like a Polaris and a, what's his name? Havoc, like a proper version of those. Um, but yeah, not uh, not a lot. But then again, with, with, with them saying that Star Wars is going to be uh, showing a lot of stuff at other toy conventions all around America all throughout the year. I guess we'll just have to wait to see what comes out of Marvel. Uh, like I said, it wasn't really all that disappointing. They showed a lot of Legends, uh, 20 or so. And I think we're, we're all looking forward to what they have in store because they've just been absolutely prolific these past couple of years with how much stuff they're putting out. I, I think I've finally resigned myself to the fact that we are never going to get a uh, what I call the black suit or black mask daredevil, right? Like the do-it-yourself version of Matt Murdock from the Netflix show. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled for a uh, keeping my eyes peeled for a cheap daredevil Marvel legend from the Netflix show, and I'm just gonna sand down his head, get some epoxy resin, sculpt a nice little mask over his eyes, paint it black. Uh, probably take the body off of like Nick Fury. I think Nick Fury's body might be really similar to Spider-Man Noir. So whoever's easier to come by. Um, and yeah, I will just have a custom daredevil. So, uh, I'm trying to think here, guys, I'm not even sure how long we've been going for. I've really enjoyed putting this one together today. Um, if you are in Philadelphia and if you are going to Philadelphia Eagles training camp, look for me there. That is, uh, Basically, my main job. So this week is absolutely insane with deadlines for me. Uh, But I wanted to make some time to do something that I love, which is podcasting for and with all of you. Uh, We ran down a lot of lists. Um, Damien, if you're listening, buddy, I apologize. You're not going to get to hear about that thing that we had talked about earlier. 
See, I told him that I was going to put something in three count. And I may have even mentioned it earlier in the podcast that I was going to that I was going to talk about something with J.J. Abrams. But I'm going to hold on to that because I think that's actually a really good podcast. And I think it's 50, a good 15 or 20 minutes worth of content. And I don't think right now we need the, the 13 or 15 or 20 minutes of content. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, I am Ion Ryan. You could find me on the internet at Ion Ryan uh, everywhere, right? Uh, Facebook, type in Ion Ryan. I'm there. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, maybe like TikTok. Is that possible? I probably signed up for that at some point. Uh, part of the reason why I don't use Snapchat is because I wasn't able to get Ion Ryan on there. Um, so, but you can find me all over the place. Uh, if you really need to, you can go to ionryan.com. We've talked before. I put some additional content up there. Write me, send me voice memos, send me comments, questions, criticisms, uh, whatever, man. I love connecting with all of you. I I've looked at some of the numbers on my site and I'm so grateful for all the time that y'all take to, to follow along with my journey. And, and I hope I'm providing you good content. Uh, don't forget we podcast and we know things our flagship show on the we pod squad. It comes out every Friday morning. Those guys kill it. I'm happy to announce that I'm finished stranger things. I've seen every summer movie, which means I can get back to listening to the podcast without anything being spoiled for me. Uh, of course, we have Sean, who takes every other Tuesday, talking about Star Wars, the last podcast. Uh, he does this 10 times better than I ever could in terms of handling a solo podcast. He works so hard on it, and uh, definitely give him a listen next Tuesday. Definitely follow Greg and Sam every Friday. I mean, those guys are just the masters of the craft. And as I said, now that I'm all caught up on content and nothing can get spoiled, I can't wait to listen to the show again. Uh, for as much as they are my friends, I am also a fan of everything that they do. And uh, that's it for me, guys. Be great. Be grateful. And I will see you in two weeks doing, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned.